We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com i'm kyle fellows and i am joined by one of my co-hosts this week the better <laughs> of the two of course maggie loney uh we are without andrew mertig today so we get to throw as much shade at him as possible because he's never not here so this is our chance uh but it is a friday shore of coat of course so it's really good to be back um how are you doing this week maggie yeah, I'm doing really good. And when I was putting the doc together for tonight, I saw that we were on episode 1,450 of oh, the Back Day podcast, which is what? is insane to me. And I'm not sure, honestly, that Andrew has ever missed a show before. So it feels <laughs> really weird to do this without him. He's never gone and he picks up the slack for other folks. So we seriously do appreciate his consistency, but uh, his voice is going to be missed today. I said I was going to rip on him, but now I'm giving him compliments. So I don't know what I'm doing. But <laughs> yes, what's going on? <laughs> um, so it's been really fun to do this series that we've been in. We've spent a lot of our time um, looking at the Packers 2022 opponents and the off seasons that they've had. Now, we're really just trying to get an accurate feel for what these teams are going to look like when Green Bay sees them this season and even how different they might look from just one year ago. As Maggie mentioned, uh, this this is the last show in this series, right? And so that means that we've already covered the teams that the Packers uh, are going to face, the majority of them, except for three teams that we're going to be talking about today. So this week, uh, we'll wrap up the schedule with deep dives into those final three teams the eagles the rams and the dolphins yeah so we can get started with the eagles since they're first up on the schedule of the three but uh coaching and front office changes there just weren't any so nick sirianni (laughs) will enter his second season as the head coach in philly and that's about all that's that's you know, stayed the same for that Eagles uh, coaching staff in front office. So tell me about the free agency losses that this team had. 
It would make for a much better podcast if these teams would actually do something for we'll us. Do so the we, thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there are some losses to talk about, and that's a uh, cornerback. Steven Nelson heads to the Texans. He played over a 1,000 snaps for Philly last year, so that's a notable loss. Defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway went to the 49ers. Safety Rodney McLeod uh, goes to the Colts. And defensive end uh, Gerard Avery goes to the Steelers. Linebacker Alex Singleton also leaves town to go to the Broncos. There are still um, some hanging free agents here that have not landed anywhere, so they may end up back with the Eagles. We don't know yet, but defensive end Ryan Kerrigan is one of those. He's 34 years old, so he's getting up there a little bit, but he does have a history with Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry. So that's kind of an interesting free agent name to keep an eye on as things progress. Uh, maybe just you know put a bookmark in that one potentially. Another defensive end, Joe Ostman, uh, still unsigned, as well as tight end Jason Kroom. Uh, we also have to talk about a big retirement here. Brandon Brooks, kind of a surprise here. Brooks was one of the best guards in the game, but he lost 2020 a couple seasons ago to a torn Achilles and then suffered a torn pec in 2021. So the injuries keep piling up there for Brooks, and he decided to call it a career. He's only 32, so not too, too old, right? Uh, but his loss is going to be a big one for the Philadelphia Eagles for sure. Yeah, it's really weird to talk about players that are like 30 when we're, you know, they're know. like our age and we're like, oh man, they're so they're old. They're so old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, some significant losses for the Eagles, but they did have some in-house re-signings that I think are, you know, almost better that they were able to to retain those guys. They signed defensive end Derek Barnett, defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, safety Anthony Harris, running back Boston Scott, and then the big one was center Jason Kelsey coming back. So some pretty significant re-signings there for the Eagles all around. Barnett and Cox are lifetime Eagles, so I love that. I love when the team's able you know, to retain the guys that have been part of their roster for the entirety of their careers. And it really does a lot for that defensive line to kind of solidify that defense as a whole. Anthony Harris missed a few games in 2021 due to injury, um, but he's a, an important piece for that secondary, and he should be able to get back to the player that we saw him being in Minnesota. And then on the offensive side of the ball, center Jason Kelsey, obviously returning is a big deal. You know, there were talks of him maybe retiring. And then shifty running back Boston Scott rounds out the depth chart behind Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, so they were able to add some guys from outside of, of Philly as well. So they reached into the free agent market to grab outside linebacker Hassan Reddick, uh, who is um, – now coming from the Panthers, I forgot he spent some time there after coming, of course, from the, the Cardinals. Uh, cornerback James Bradbury comes over from the Giants. Outside linebacker Zier White comes from the Chargers. Wide receiver Zach Pascal uh, from Indianapolis, as well as free safety Jaquiski Tart, again, from the San Francisco 49ers. The biggest addition really might have been that draft day trade, though, for A.J. Brown, right? Brown had been rumored to be available for a few weeks heading up to the draft. But I think a lot of people just kind of thought that that was going to blow over eventually, right? That Tennessee and A.J. Brown would come to terms, get that long-term deal done, and he would stay a Titan. But that obviously was not in the cards. And the Eagles were probably very happy to send pick 18 to the Titans for a player of A.J. Brown's caliber. Certainly a big development that happened there on draft night. 
Yeah, so the Eagles had those two first-round picks to work with, obviously gave one up to acquire A.J. Brown, and then they still had round one, pick 13 available to them, so still able to make a selection in the first round. Kind of wonder if it would have changed their strategy. I think they still would have acquired A.J. Brown regardless if they only had the one first-round pick, but it definitely gave them some flexibility. So the rest of that draft class, you know, with that 13th pick, they took Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, in round two, they took Cam Jurgens, center out of Nebraska. Round three, Nicobe Dean, a linebacker out of Georgia. Round six, they snagged Kyron Johnson, a linebacker out of Kansas. And then Grant Calcaterra, tight end out of SMU. So a very average draft class for me. I mean, I, I like the players that were selected, but I'm not sure how splashy anything really is here. Love Jordan Davis going into the draft, and I think he's a, a huge addition, both figuratively and literally, next to Barnett and Cox. <laughs> Cam Jurgens is likely the successor at center when Kelsey decides to hang up his cleats. And I think Dean will see some action right away in the middle of the defense, but these are all definitely long-term, down-the-road kind of selections. I think it'll be hard to judge this class for at least a couple of years, since I'm not sure anyone's going to have a major impact right away. Yeah, you're right. It is kind of a weird class to assess. They obviously could have had that second first round selection, like you mentioned, but that A.J. Brown pickup is a pretty good plan there, I think. But uh, they're not upset about that. Jordan Davis could absolutely he'd be a monster for this team, right? And I agree with you, Maggie, that this defensive line is one that's really easy to get excited about moving forward. But uh, definitely a strange class when you put all things together. Yeah, so then, you know, that begs the question, did this Eagles team get better or worse? Okay, so the Eagles might be one of the most intriguing teams in the NFL to me, and I do think that they got better. Uh, The loss of Brandon Brooks is not ideal when you're building into that, what you hope is a, a season where you can win. But the rest of this offense is ready to go and could be primed for that big step forward, I think. Obviously, there are a lot of questions surrounding Jalen Hurts and what his ceiling is going to be as a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, But, man, they did surround him with the weapons, right? They got A.J. Brown, absolutely a huge move. But then Devonta Smith uh, and Kenneth Gainwell could both take those steps into their sophomore years. And then that's on top of having people like Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. So I think the offense is going to be better Really, really interesting to defend as the Packers who have to play them. Um, They can beat you in a lot of ways. And the defense for the Eagles was pretty solid last year and added young talent in Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. So I really like the Eagles offseason, and I think they could be kind of flying under the radar there in the NFC East, where many have kind of already crowned the Cowboys as division champs, maybe a little bit prematurely. Yeah, I agree. I think this Eagles roster definitely got better. And, you know, having a head coach entering his second season is also going to help alleviate some of the growing pains that I think, you know, the franchise had last season. Sirianni is fun. He's a young offensive mind and he's going to have a lot to work with. You know, you listed the names. He's got Jalen Hurts. He's got A.J. Brown and the rest of the weapons. So I like the defense a lot, too. Barnett and Cox returning was huge for them. They've got Javon Hargrave and Brandon Graham, added Josh Sweat. Anthony Harris is healthy and returning. So I think a better roster with potential to compete for the NFC's crown, like you said. 
So definitely an interesting team to talk about there in the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go ahead and flip over to our second team. We got three tonight. This is a really fun show. <laughs> it's loaded. Uh, we, it's loaded. We're, we're going to flip over to the Los Angeles Rams now. And you got to start up front again with the front office and the coaching changes. And, of course, there really was speculation after the Super Bowl that Coach Sean McVay might retire from coaching and turn to the broadcast booth. It seemed crazy, but that has now seemed to have passed and he settled in there as the coach of the Rams. But any year that you win it all, your coaching staff is going to be pillaged by other teams around the NFL. And that's exactly what happened to the Rams. Uh, Jairo Evero, who was the Rams secondary coach, was hired to be the Broncos new defensive coordinator. Packer fans will remember that name from the Packers recent search for a defensive coach, uh, a defensive defensive head coach. My goodness, a defensive coordinator. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, He was the favorite for a while there. It looked like that he was going to be that defensive coordinator in Green Bay. And he now gets his shot with Nathaniel Hackett there in Denver. Uh, The Broncos also took a couple other of assistant coaches from the Rams. So they really like the staff out there in L.A. And then, of course, offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell was hired to be the next head coach of the Vikings. So uh, Rams have replaced O'Connell with Liam Cohen, who has a long relationship with McVay and the Rams, but did spend last season actually at the University of Kentucky as their OC. So lots of change, lots of movement here for this coaching staff of the Rams. Yeah, and now we talk about the free agency losses that they had and a lot of significant ones. You've got Von Miller going to the Bills, Darius Williams going to Jacksonville, Austin Corbett, off to Carolina, Sebastian Joseph to the Chargers, Johnny Hecker to Carolina, Johnny Munt, the tight end to Minnesota, running back Sony Michelle to the Dolphins, Troy Reader going to the Chargers, Agbanya Akonkwo going to Houston, and then still unsigned, you know, you have Odell Beckham Jr., corner Dante Dion, uh, Buddy Howell, the running back, cornerback Harim Orr, Inside linebacker Will Compton, center Drake Jackson, and then Andrew Whitworth retiring, I think, was some of the biggest news here. So lots of departures for the defending Super Bowl champs. The Von Miller experiment paid off, though. I mean, he joined the Rams for half a season, got himself a second Super Bowl ring, and then he hitched his wagon now to another Super Bowl contending team in the Bills this season. So then they lost two starters on the offensive line. They lost Andrew Whitworth, obviously, retiring. Austin Corbett going to the Panthers. L.A. said goodbye to one of the best punters in the league and Johnny Hecker. And then OBJ obviously wouldn't have been available for the start of the season, given that he got injured in the Super Bowl. But he's a bigger name free agent looking for a new home once he's healthy. Maybe the Rams bring him back, but it's a conversation for another day, given that <laughs> you know they invested in Allen Robinson. But a huge mix of names here and depth pieces that were lost for the Rams. But I think we all kind of knew this was coming, considering the way that they went all in to win that championship. Yeah, lots of guys kind of going through the doors on their way out there in L.A., but they were able to keep some of the guys in-house who may have had a path away from the Rams. Uh, wide receiver Brandon Powell stays, offensive outside linebacker Traven Howard, center Brian Allen, and then tackle Joe Noteboom is also back with the Rams. Of course, that Noteboom signing is kind of a big deal with the news of Andrew Whitworth's retirement. Uh, Noteboom very well could be that left tackle for this team this season. So uh, that's a big name that they were able to keep. But uh, Maggie, who were the Rams able to add uh, to this roster this offseason? 
Yeah, so I mentioned Allen Robinson already coming over from Chicago, uh, Bobby Wagner, the inside linebacker from Seattle, and then punter Riley Dixon with the Giants. So only a couple additions, but you know, Bobby Wagner staying in the NFC West is a lot of fun. Love that. He was a thumper for Seattle, and then he gets to head to LA and be an immediate starter, obviously, in the middle of their defense. Allen Robinson is a nice pickup when you pair him with Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson. I think he'll see kind of a career rejuvenation with Matt Stafford throwing in the ball. And uh, he doesn't have to be wide receiver one. We know that he can be, and he was that in Chicago for a long time. But, you know, he's a really nice complement to Cup star power. And uh, I think he'll see a huge number of targets. And then Riley Dixon, of course, is just a punter replacement for the loss of Hecker. Sure feels like Hacker got his Super Bowl win and then he went and got paid after being one of the best punters in a long time. So great career path for him, of course. Let's jump into the draft class here, which is always interesting when you talk about the Rams because of how they feel about uh, draft capital, it seems. But uh, they don't make a selection until the third round. Uh, So they take Logan Bruss, the guard from Wisconsin, a familiar name for Wisconsin fans. Of course, they were unable to take Cole Strange as as was seeming the plan, so they settled for Logan Bruss. Uh, but then in the fourth round, they took uh, Jacoby Durant, the corner from South Carolina State, Kyron Williams in the fifth round, the running back from Notre Dame, Quentin Lake, the safety from UCLA, and then Darion Kendrick, the corner from Georgia. And then if anybody knows these names, their seventh round picks, you guys get a prize. <laughs> Daniel Hardy, the outside linebacker from Montana State, Russ Yeast, the safety from Kansas State, and A.J. Our Curry, the offensive tackle from Michigan State. So a fun group of names there to close out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I definitely thought yeast was a typo. Yeah. <laughs> Just that <add> in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty excellent. You could uh, rise to the top. 
I was going to say the same thing, so I'm glad that you said it. <laughs> so Andrew's not here to make the bad jokes, so somebody has to this week. <laughs> and you are the dad, so I guess yeah, it's, it's fitting. The but, dad jokes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they brought in, obviously, a bunch of superstars, and it clearly proves that you can win Super Bowls, but it also leaves you unable to make a first-round pick in the draft for the next 400 years. So <laughs> I liked the Logan Bruss pick quite a bit. Solid guard. He'll compete for a starting spot right away. Beyond that pick, though, I mean, there's no starters really in this list, but some decent depth at positions, you know, where this roster saw a ton of turnover in free agency. Okay, so Maggie, we've been through the Rams pretty thoroughly. Did they get better or did they actually get worse this offseason? I think that if we're splitting hairs for the sake of the exercise, that the Rams got worse, but I think they're still going to be a highly competitive roster. So the window hasn't closed and it's not going to close for a couple of years, at least a couple of years. You've got Stafford Cup, Donald Ramsey, signed Allen Robinson. There's too many stars on this roster for this team to be one and done with their Super Bowl chances. You know, they're a playoff team even in one of the NFL's toughest divisions. And I think that's the floor for them. I think the playoffs are their floor. And then I expect them to go beyond that and make another deep playoff push, you know, being in contention for the NFC crown. Yeah, this is a team that went all in to win a Super Bowl, right? And we haven't, I mean, it's kind of been a model that's been made fun of until it worked for the Rams and it worked kind of sort of for the Bucks, like in a little bit different way. Uh, so it's working, but now they're going to have to say goodbye uh, to several of the big names that helped them get there. We talked about Von Miller, Odell are significant, uh, but the losses of Austin Corbett and Andrew Whitworth in kind of a different way with retirement there for Whitworth. It's something that's going to be felt by this team, but I'm with Maggie here. I don't think that the Rams are going to be a bad team by any stretch at all, right? They still have a very, very good roster. I do think this team naturally is going to come back down to earth just a little bit after their gamble did pay off last season. But it's really amazing, right, how they just keep kicking the can down the road just a little bit more and extending that winning window. And as you said, Maggie, it kind of feels like they've got a few years left here uh, where they could really make a push for another ring. Yeah, so we talked about two contend- possible contenders, playoff contenders in the NFC, and now we get to shift to an AFC team that I think is one of the more interesting teams on the schedule this season for the Packers, and that, of course, is the Miami Dolphins, starting with their coaching and front office changes. I think one of the bigger surprises, honestly, at least to me, of this offseason was the Dolphins moving on from Brian Flores. Mike McDaniel is another young offensive mind from the Shanahan tree. You know, he leaves the 49ers to become the Dolphins 14th head coach. Frank Smith becomes his offensive coordinator, most recently serving as the Chargers run game coordinator and offensive line coach under Brandon Staley. McDaniel decided to keep his existing Dolphins DC and Josh Boyer, who had been with Flores um, on part of that coaching staff in Miami since 2019. And then Danny Crossman, who was Flores' assistant, head coach, and special teams coordinator, was also retained then to serve as McDaniel's special teams coordinator. While I was looking up the Dolphins' front office, I also learned that Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Fergie, and Mark Anthony are all listed as partners on the team website. So that shocked me, and that is a fun little Jeopardy fact for everybody. That is really interesting. (laughs) I did not know that, and I actually punched that in because I saw the show doc, and I was like, no way. Like, this is crazy. But, yeah, like some serious heavy hitters in the uh, vein of ownership there for the Dolphins. Maggie, if the pa- obviously the Packers are not owned by anyone other than the great fans that be, but 
if we had some, you know, some of these partners, who would be some of these heavy hitters that maybe we could see uh, in Green Bay with some of these kind of names? I don't know. Is there anybody? I mean, my head immediately thinks like Beyonce, but I think okay. if we're talking about right. like a Wisconsin icon, like Charlie Barron's, you know, somebody right, like really right. out of left field would be would be yeah. fitting. That makes sense for sure. Um, I'm thinking maybe there's a certain rapper who may have uh, some money he may <laughs> want to throw. Makes sense than Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, that's just uh, me getting excited and projecting. Maybe maybe some green and yellow. We could put them up on the website and. Uh, We'd be, we'd be good there. Um, but okay. So let's, let's continue on very interesting factoid, uh, from Maggie tonight. Um, free agency losses here for the dolphins. Uh, Jacoby Brissett heads to Cleveland and still a little bit up in the air there. Interesting how big his role could be there in Cleveland. Um, tackle Jesse Davis, um, goes to the Minnesota Vikings wide receiver, Matt Collins, to the Raiders running back Duke Johnson to Buffalo was kind of the plan there before they were able to draft um, a James Cook uh, for a very similar role, probably center Greg Mance uh, goes to Buffalo as well. Running back Philip Lindsay to the Indianapolis Colts for some depth wide receiver, Albert Wilson to the Minnesota Vikings cornerback, Justin Coleman goes to Seattle, which is really interesting. This will be Justin Coleman's third stint with the Seattle Seahawks after bouncing around a little bit time, obviously with the Dolphins here and then Lions uh, in the middle. But uh, still unsigned, we've got Will Fuller hanging out there who always comes up in conversations around the Packers. Uh, Alan Hearns, another wide receiver still on the market. Malcolm Brown, Michael uh, Pilardi, cornerback Jason McCourty, all guys who could end up back with the Dolphins but may have routes otherwise. Yeah, and then as far as re-signings go, you've got defensive end Emmanuel Agba, tight end Durham Smith, defensive tackle John Jenkins, outside linebacker Brennan Scarlett, and safety Sheldrick Redwine. Um, they also did franchise tag Mike Gusecki. And I think tagging Gusecki is a great move for this offense and hopefully something you know where both sides can come together on a long-term deal. I don't really like the franchise tag personally. I like seeing guys get paid what they're worth, but you know he gives Tua a weapon and he gives Mike McDaniel um, a reliable tight end option for this mm-hmm. offense. Agba was somebody that I really you know, was hoping the Packers would go after before he resigned with Miami, so I like that move for their defensive line as well. Okay, some additions, and these are fun, right? The Dolphins got a little bit creative this offseason with all the coaching changes, lots of different personnel needs or felt needs probably, and so they acquired running back Chase Edmonds from Arizona. Left tackle Teron Armstead ended up in Miami and a huge, huge deal for them. Uh, Wide receiver Cedric Wilson um, with Albert Wilson out. It's in with Cedric Wilson. So a little bit of switcheroo there with the Wilsons. Uh, center Connor Williams, and I said that correctly. It's worth noting Connor Williams has never been, to, been a center at the NFL level. He's always been a guard, but he's working as a center with Miami, and it certainly feels like that may be where he plays for the Dolphins this season. So kind of an interesting one there. Fullback Alec Ingold uh, comes over from the Raiders, so maybe like a Kyle Juszczyk kind of a role there. Mike McDaniel still values his fullback, so that's fun. Uh, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater there to be the backup, presumably outside linebacker Melvin Ingram. Raheem Mostert follows coach Mike McDaniel from San Francisco to be one of the running backs in that stable, as well as Sony Michelle coming over from the Rams. Puncher Thomas Morstead joins this team from Atlanta and wide receiver Trent 
Sherfield uh, comes over from San Francisco as well. So lots of these guys following McDaniel from San Francisco. It's very, very interesting. And then, of course, we can't forget the huge trade, right? They got somebody named Tyreek Hill, kind of a big deal. Um, I think I knew that the Dolphins wide receiver group was going to be different. I don't think I really understood quite how different until I saw it all here on paper, right? Obviously, the trade, Tyreek, that's a huge, huge move. But then with the departure of Devontae Parker, you know, leaving town, other additions of Sherfield, Cedric Wilson. This receiving group is going to be very different and very talented when you sprinkle in second-year wide receiver Jalen Waddle as well. So lots of interesting additions, but they certainly made it a priority to add some firepower for Tua. Yeah, so obviously giving up first-round selections to be able to acquire Tyreek Hill left this draft class pretty sparse, not picking like the Rams until the third round, Um, but they grabbed Channing Tindall, the linebacker out of Georgia in the third. In the fourth, they took Eric Izukanma, the wide receiver from Texas Tech, and then two picks in round seven, Cameron Good, the linebacker out of Cal, and Skylar Thompson, the quarterback out of Kansas State. So this might be the most boring draft class of all time, right? Like just trying to get excited about one name to be like, yeah, but they got this guy, right? Channing Tindall could certainly be that guy. He could be a nice surprise. I'm not sure why you draft a wide receiver in the fourth round when you just don't have very many picks and you just acquired two via free agency. You traded for Tyreek Hill. You spent the first last year on Waddle. It just, it's kind of a head scratcher to me. I know it's a fourth round pick, right? So I don't even know. Zukama, how do you say? <laughs> I think they just really like the guy. I can't say his name. I've tried all offseason in the draft. I can't do it. I No disrespect <laughs> to the man. Uh, it's a good thing that their free agent signings were really exciting because this draft class, it's just not a lot to write home about. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the Tyreek trade obviously didn't leave them with a ton to work with as far as the draft capital was concerned. And the Dolphins have identified a weakness at the inside linebacker spot, clearly with a couple of their selections there. Um, But no names really jumping off the page as far as who you'd expect to be kind of an immediate contributor. So then that begs the question, given what we just talked about, did the Dolphins get better or worse? Okay, so I just got done ripping the draft class. Uh, But I think Miami got a lot better. Uh, The additions of Teron Armstead and Connor Williams on the offensive line have a chance to be franchise-altering kind of on their own, right? And then I talked about the wide receivers and the weapons that they gave Tua. I think the offensive upgrades are going to be significant, and I think that Coach McDaniels will pair really nicely with a player like Tua. I think he'll use him to his strengths. And the defense was already kind of middle of the pack last year. You talked about how they saw the growth there and they kept the defensive coordinator in-house. With, you know, They didn't bring in their own guy. So some continuity there on defense. So I think this team can take a big step forward in 2022. It's a lot of pressure for a young head coach and Mike McDaniel, but this team should probably finish second in the AFC East and maybe contend for a wildcard spot. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun to wrap up with the Dolphins because we've already covered, you know, the rest of the AFC East. The Bills are still handedly winning the division. The Jets got better, but I think they're a few years removed still. And the Patriots had a very meh offseason. So I think, you know, you're in you're spot on with your assessment that 
this is a Dolphins team that should, on paper, finish second in the East and be in contention for a wild card spot. It's a lot of pressure to put on a first-year head coach, obviously, but I think McDaniel has the supporting cast around him that he can probably make that happen. You mentioned it, you know, he retained his defensive coordinator, retained his special teams coordinator. That's a big step because now he gets to focus his efforts on the offense, surrounding Tua with weapons that include Hill, Mostert, you mentioned his guy from San Fran, and then in addition to guys like Waddle and Gusecki. All right, so that is the Dolphins. Really fun to take a look at these teams. Uh, really some fun teams to watch outside of the fact that the Packers will play them this season. But, of course, the Packers do, right? They face all three of these teams toward the latter portion of their 2022 schedule. In Week 12, the Packers travel to Philly to face the Eagles on Sunday, November 27th. That's a Sunday night football game, so that's fun. In Week 15, a few weeks later, the Packers will host the Rams at Lambeau on December 19th for a Monday night football game. And then in week 16, one week later, the Packers are on the road on Christmas day for a matchup with the dolphins, of course, on December 25th. And that's your noon start there. So lots of good football close to the end of the season here for the Packers. They're going to finish their schedule against a few teams that we talked about really did get quite a bit better this off season. So it should be a ton of fun. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack a Day podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. Kyle is at Packer underscore pundit. Remember to also follow at Pack a Day podcast. Please subscribe and rate the Pack a Day podcast if you like the work that we're doing. You can catch our crew every Friday. Thank you for listening. And as always, remember, go Pack Go.